0: Luke chapter 4, verse 40, says this. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. James chapter 5, verse 13, says this. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Lord, we pray that the word spoken to us today from your word, Lord, would meet each one of us. That it would challenge each of us, that it would encourage each of us. And Lord, I pray that it would increase our faith, that we would believe that you are a God who who heals. Amen. Amen. So we are in the middle of learning more about our call here at Broadway to be a healing community. This has been one of the markers of our church uh, throughout the the years and from the very beginning. And the main reason that this has been a marker of our church is, is this belief that God is a healing God. And the reason that people have experienced healing emotionally and spiritually and physically here is because Broadway has consistently taught that the Jesus who visited those towns in Galilee and laid hands on people and prayed for them, that his spirit is still active in our lives today. Man, you are quiet. The spirit of Jesus who healed people in Galilee, that his spirit is still alive and active among us today. We believe that here at Broadway. Thank you. Whew. We've been talking these last few weeks about these particular practices of a healing community. What does the Bible say that we need to do to experience the healing that God has available for us? And one of the things that we see in the New Testament um, is in the healing ministry of Jesus and then in uh, the disciples' ministry in Acts and then in in the letters is that we are called uh, to heal people, and that involves our, our touch laying on of hands or anointing of oil, that our touch is involved in the healing of other people. There is a connection made in the scriptures between touching the sick person and that person experiencing the healing of God in their life. And we want to be a community of people who experience the healing work of God in all sorts of ways. And part of that is following the example of Jesus by laying hands and praying, laying on of hands and praying for people, and seeing God do a work in their life. Now, a few months ago, when uh, the staff was talking about uh, which sermons I would preach, and which sermons Pastor simpson would preach, and which sermons Pastor Luke would preach. Um, I I think Luke and Simps both kind of reached out for this one. They both would, I promise you, do a better job preaching this sermon than me. Because both of them have lived out this reality in their lives better than I have. But I I said, no, I think I need to preach this one. This is one that I need to learn more about. It's one that I need to grow in and understand more about. And so I just want to say to any of you today that if... If these things sound strange to you, if you wonder about this healing thing, if it feels odd or weird to you, or if it causes a lot of anxiety in you, let's join the club. But what I also want to ask of you, if that's you today, I'd like to ask for you to be open-handed for the Lord to show you a new thing. That you would join me in the prayer that I've been praying this week. Which is, Lord, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. So today I want to talk about a few things as it relates to this topic of laying on of hands and praying for healing. First, we're going to be talking about the source of our sicknesses. Talk about the source of our sicknesses. Secondly, how do we respond to the reality of sickness in our life? Third... I want to talk about this difficult question of why it is that sometimes when we pray for people, that people get healed, and other times it seems that they don't. And last, I want to give some practical instructions about praying for healing. And then we're going to do the stuff. We're going to do it together. God's design and purpose for you is life. It's health. It's wholeness. And the enemy's design in your life is to steal and to kill and destroy. Satan's design and goal for you is sickness and death. In Genesis 1 and 2, those first two pages of the Bible, we get a picture of the abundant and full and healthy life that God intended for his creation. And in Revelation 21 and 22, the last two pages of the Bible, we get a picture of how God is going to restore all of that to us and more. Revelation 21 says that in the eternal heavenly city, there will be no more mourning or crying or pain, that sickness and all of its results will be undone. Revelation 22 says that the eternal heavenly city, that in that eternal heavenly city, that there will be a tree there, and that its leaves will be for the healing of the nations. God's design for us in the beginning was life, health, wholeness. In the end of the story, where we are going to is life and health and wholeness. But right now, we live in these two in-between times, between those first two chapters in Genesis and the last two chapters in Revelation. And in this in-between time, the devil and his ways have some sway. Here at Broadway, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins that he conquered sickness and death in his resurrection, and that he is right now ascended on his throne at the right hand of God, that he is ruling, that he is at work right now bringing his kingdom into the world. And so we can join with Jesus in his prayer, Lord, may your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. But right now we live in a time when the devil and his ways of sickness and death and the healing ministry of the kingdom of God are overlapping. And so we experience in our life now the realities and the effects of both. And one day, the devil and his ways will be conquered and thrown into the fiery pit. But we are living in an age where we now can experience the real effects of Jesus' healing rule in our lives. And so we pray, Jesus, your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. In this particular circumstance where our sister is sick, bring your healing into her life. In this moment when our brother is depressed and hurting, bring your healing and your comfort into his life. We're living in this in-between time where we experience the, both of these realities of sickness and death, as well as healing and life. So let's talk a little bit about the sources of our, of our sickness. The source of our sickness is sin. The source of our sickness is sin. Sin is the result of human beings walking outside of God's will and purpose for us. In our home with our kids, Katie and I have certain rules for our kids to follow. Up until a certain age, don't cross the street by yourself. When you're outside playing, stay within the boundaries of our backyard and don't wander off. In our kids, generally, if they stay within those boundaries and in those rules, they will be safe, generally speaking. But when they step outside of those rules, it opens up the possibility for them of getting hurt and experiencing pain in ways that we don't intend, which is why we give them those rules. And that's what's happened with humanity. Adam and Eve and every human being since has sinned, and that then opened up the possibility of hurt and pain and sickness that God did not intend for us. The ultimate cause and source of sickness is sin. And we need to look at this from at least three different perspectives. First, we experience sickness because we live in a fallen world. Our bodies, because of sin, are frail. There is disease. There are viruses. And unless the Lord returns, our bodies are going to fail us in one way or another. Unless we die of some accident, which is part of the fall as well, there's going to be some consequence of our broken world where your body is not going to work in the way that God intends it to work. And all of the people that Jesus healed in the gospel, they eventually died. There are no 2,000-year-old people walking around in Galilee talking about how Jesus healed them. And so, sometimes when we get sick, not because of any particular sin that you may have committed, but because of sin in general, because we live in a fallen world, we are subject to the realities of that fallen world. And part of the realities of that fallen world are sin and sickness and and disease and death. Secondly, the source of sickness is death. The second thing we need to consider here is that the source can be patterns of sin that exist in our culture. Every culture, every society has uh, particular sicknesses that are more prevalent in it than other societies and culture. Every society, every culture has certain patterns that the enemy has used to influence us and to make us susceptible and open to certain kinds of sicknesses. For example, in America, depression is an epidemic. There are patterns of life in our culture, the pace of our life, the way that we Idolize independence, like we don't need anybody else. The ways, even that we've designed our cities and our neighborhoods, that actually contribute to isolation and loneliness and lack of connection to community. And because of that, there is a pattern of sin in our culture that leads to the sickness of depression, anxiety, isolation. Obesity and the health problems that go with it would be another example for us. There are lots of patterns in our world, the way that our food is produced and delivered, the very sedentary lifestyles that almost all of us live, lots of patterns in our particular culture that make us more susceptible to obesity and the health problems that result from it. There are all kinds of health problems that we are discovering more and more that relate to the use of our technology in our smartphones that are just now recently being discovered. Our technology rewires our brains in the way that our brains work, in ways that are contributing to many illnesses and sicknesses. The Bible tells us that the devil is the prince of this world, and he has set up patterns of sin in the way that cultures work, and has then blazed all sorts of trails that if we follow them, it leads to death. This is part of the image that Jesus is getting at when he talks about the narrow way that leads to life. There are many, many, many trails that we can take in this life that our culture has made for us that lead to death. There's one trail that leads to life. And so we have to consider whether our life is conforming to the pattern of this world or conforming to the pattern of Christ. So this is why we take time to confess our sin at the beginning of most of our gatherings on Sunday morning. It's why examining ourselves is a part of living a life of healing, because we will, we will, by our nature and our flesh, follow the blazed trails of the evil one, the patterns of this world, if we do not intentionally, and with God's help, follow the narrow way that he set for us. So, patterns of sin in our culture can lead to sickness. And third, patterns of sin in your own life. obvious example I gave uh, earlier is our eating habits and our sedentary lifestyle. We've known for a long time that abusing drugs and alcohol, that that person ages faster and dies younger if they continue in that addiction. There is more and more brain science that is showing the way that pornography rewires the way that a person's brain works. That it causes sickness in the brain. This is a clear example of the way that our sin can affect our bodies. So it's not true to say that any time that a person gets sick, that, that can somehow be directly traced back to some sin that they committed. You don't get cancer because you lied back when you were 12. Okay? It doesn't work that way. That's called Karma. And it's not a part of Christian thinking. Going back to number one, sometimes people get cancer or have a heart attack or get some other disease simply because of the fact that we live in a fallen world. That's part of it. But at the same time, patterns of sin in your life can be one of the reasons that you are sick. And we can sometimes see the very natural consequences of a person's sin in the way that that has led to the sickness that they are experiencing. And sometimes what is also true is that God may continue to allow sickness in your life because of an unrepentant sin in your life. In Paul's instructions about taking communion, he says that there are some people who were not taking communion properly in Corinth, and we don't know all of the issues that were surrounding that, but he says there were some people who were clearly sinning as they were taking communion, and because of that they got sick and some of them died. This is why James, when he gives us instructions about praying for healing, that he so closely connects that to the confessing of our sins to one another. That sin and sickness are closely tied together. In some ways, those ways can be very obvious to us. In other ways, we can't, simply can't see it and don't know about it until God reveals it to us, or God works it out in some other way that we can't see. So, the source of sickness is sin. Simply the fact that we generally live in a fallen world and there are therefore susceptible in our bodies to sickness. We can also be sick because of certain patterns of sin that are all around us in our culture that we are more susceptible to and we need to pay attention to and make sure to live according to a different way than the pattern of our culture. And third can be the patterns of sin in our own life. All of these can be a source and reason for why we are sick. Is that clear? Yes? So, what do we do about sickness? How do we respond to sickness? Well, first, we can talk about prevention. We need to decide not to sin. That will avoid many sicknesses in our life. We commit to not sinning. Does it mean that we, I, Ryan's not here saying that we have to be perfect, but what I'm saying is that there are patterns in your life. Sin in your life that you know about that's causing you to not be well. And with God's help, you need to submit and commit yourself to decide to not do those things. You will be a healthier person in mind and in body and, of course, in your relationship with God if you stay away from sin. So let's make the decision and begin to use the resources that God has given to us to begin to set patterns in our life that will set us free from sin rather than cause us to sin and cause us then to be sick. Second, repentance. Some sickness will be healed simply through repentance. Sometimes that healing has come. I know of stories where that's happened miraculously, that a person was sick, they repented, they brought They brought that sin out into the light, and that unleashed a work of and power of God in their life that set them free, that was previously blocked because of that unrepentant sin in their life. And so once repentance happens, there's this open door to God's healing in your life. So confessing sin and repenting from that sin is one of those things that can bring about healing in our life. And then sometimes it's not... The kind of repentance that God is asking of you in order to be healthy isn't of the miraculous kind, necessarily, although God is still at work in it. But repentance is lived out through the reestablishing of God-oriented, God-glorifying habits in your life. This is part of the the genius of 12-step programs. They have this very clear path of walking in long-term, lifelong repentance away from sin and towards ways of God-honoring habits of life and mind. So repentance, that... When, we're, when we confess our sins, when we repent from our sins, there is a way in which God's power is then able to move into our lives in ways that that sin was not allowing to it before. And then also, repentance is this way of life, walking away from that sin, that habit, that addiction, or whatever that is, and walking towards the health and the life that God has for you through other habits that God has given to us. Scripture, reading prayer, being engaged with community, taking Sabbath, all the practices that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. These are practices that God has given to us through his word that contribute to our healing. A third way that we can respond to sickness is by praying for healing. That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about today, laying on of hands and praying for healing. Laying on of hands and often associated with that is anointing someone with oil as we pray for them are common teachings in the Bible and in the New Testament. In Jesus' ministry, he he usually touched the people that he was healing. Most often, he touched them. And this got him into a lot of trouble, because he was touching people that you weren't supposed to touch, people that were going to make him unclean. But he reached out, and he touched them, and he healed them. And a few of Paul's letters and in the other letters were giving instructions on, on laying on of hands. And sometimes this laying on of hands was a, a commission to a good work. Uh, many times as people were going to go onto the mission field where they laid hands on them, it was, a, it was an act of God's empowering presence in their life. And other times they lay hands on them in order to heal as they followed Jesus' example. There's a lot of touching <laughs> in this, these actions. And, and of course, we, we need always, and I'll talk about this a little bit, but we need always to make sure that we have permission uh, to touch someone that we're going to be praying for. It can be very... Uh, can do the opposite that you want it to do by by moving in and touching someone that's not ready for that. We'll talk about that talk about that in a minute. But I just want to say that, that more than any church that I've ever been a part of before, we are a people who who do this thing of laying on hands and praying for people. And it's a beautiful part of our church. In our elders' meetings, this is a practice that we do often for one another or for others who come in um, and share sickness in their own life or share about a ministry they're doing. This laying on of hands, this, this act of imparting God's presence and power into this person's life, it's something that we do often. At men's meetings, after men's testimony time... We will join together as men and, and surround them, and lay our hands on them, and pray for them, and bless that man's life again as a way of imparting God's power and His presence in this person's life. On Sunday morning here at the altar, what a beautiful and unique thing! There have been a few times when I've invited uh, people that we know, family or friends from Broadway, and I've just when I. When this happens, when people come forward, and then a group of people come and lay hands on them, I just kind of like look out of the corner of my eye to see how my friends or family, my guests, are, are responding. And almost every time, there's tears as they see that happening. It's a unique thing. One of our neighbors was here one time. I don't believe she's a follower of Jesus, and she saw this happen, and I just began to watch her, her weep. I didn't have to tell her what was happening. She knew in that moment what was happening. There was someone who was struggling and hurting, and a community of people came and said, We are here. We're with you. And when it comes to the laying on of hands to heal for the sick, this idea of touch, I think that there are a couple of different things going on with God's command for us to do that. First is that God designed us in such a way to need physical touch. When touch is appropriate and when it's intended for good, it is something that brings healing to us. One of the most important things that we can do for someone when they are sick is to be with them. And so when we're with them and we get permission to lay our hand on their shoulder, it's an act of tangibly communicating our presence to them. I'm here. I'm with you. I love you. And it's a reminder that God is here, and He's with you, and he loves you. Sickness, pain, hurt, it's a very isolating thing. When you're sick, you don't want anybody around. We know that the way that sickness right now has kept us away from one another. It's isolated us. Mental illness is isolating. Depression, anxiety, these are things that keep us apart from one another. Sin is an isolating thing. when we've been sinning, often shame will keep us away from engaging in relationships with other people. And so this laying on of hands is a way of us coming near. It's an expression of care. It's a way to tell someone, I am here, I am with you, and I love you. God is here, he is with you, and he loves you. And there are our scientific studies and medical practitioners and psychologists who tell us how good and appropriate touch is a healing thing in people's lives. So we talk about laying on of hands here at Broadway as a part of our calling as a healing community. That's one aspect of what's happening. That God has made us as human beings to need appropriate physical touch. The hug, the handshake, uh, the hand on the shoulder had a buddy in college named Dax Nightingale. He had this radical conversion to Jesus, and uh, he just wanted to do everything that the Bible said. And so um, the Bible says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And so Dax Nightingale, with his big old bushy goatee, every time I saw him, got a big old kiss right on the cheek. Something about that touch that he knew was important, that the Bible said was important. Don't do that today. There's also something more happening, too. So there's this natural fact that, as human beings, we need touch. But there's something more happening, too. When the Bible talks about laying on of hands, there is a supernatural thing happening. The Bible is clear that when we lay on hands and when we do it in faith, that God is at work. When we lay on hands and pray, it's not only this positive connection happening between two people, It's also a moment where the power of God is at work. When we come around someone and we lay our hands and pray for their healing, we are moving with our intention, not merely to communicate our presence, but to to communicate intentionally God's presence here in this place and in this person's life. When we lay our hands on someone and pray for them, we are intending To bring the power and healing work of God into this person's life in whatever way he wants to bring it. It's an act of faith. Laying on of hands, anointing with oil, this ministry of healing touch is something that we are told comes with God's power. And so we do it in faith and we do it believing that God will be present and he will bring the healing work that he wants to do in that person's life. So how do we respond to sickness? Well, we act in our lives to prevent it in our life through not sinning. We repent from the sin in our life. And when we encounter someone who's sick, for whatever reason, we don't need to know the reason for why they were sick. We pray for their healing. Well, what about this question of why God heals some people and he doesn't heal others? For many of us, this can create a lot of anxiety in us. We don't know how to respond to the fact that sometimes some people get healed and other times other people don't. For some people, this, this makes them doubt their own faith. For other people, it makes them doubt God's word. I mean, James is pretty clear. A prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, it will be given to you. So what's up? Why does it not work sometimes? And sometimes what I want to say to begin here is that these doubts and questions and these anxieties that raise up in us around this question is probably the main lie that the devil is t- telling you to keep you from praying for people. Is that true for any of you? Just think about that. This question, this anxiety, why does it always work? How often is that keeping you from Doing the thing, being obedient, and praying for the person that is in front of you. So I'm going to, to give some, some biblical answers for why this question is. But before I do that, I just want to say about this question, don't worry about it. you pray for someone and they don't get healed immediately that is not a reflection on your faith or lack of it it's not a reflection of the power or the reality of god there could be all sorts of reasons that the bible gives to us about why that may or may not be happening in that moment but i think again that this idea this question this kind of thing that rubs up against us in our heart is one of the things that's keeping us from actually just being obedient and praying the prayers that god is calling us to pray See, our prayer, our prayer is about our relationship and our friendship with Jesus. Jesus tells us that he no longer calls us his servants, but he calls us his friends, because he has led us in on his plans and purposes. He calls us his friends. And so as God's friends, when we come to a sick person who's not well, we come to our friend Jesus and we ask him. We don't demand of him, we ask him to heal our friend. We know, Jesus, that you are able to do whatever you want to do and whatever will bring the most glory to you, but would you heal this person in their life? Please come and heal. We ask you, Jesus, to do it. We don't demand that he do it. We ask, and we leave Jesus in his divine freedom and in his perfect wisdom to say yes or no. We know in in all of our lives, in our common everyday life as well as in our relationship with God, that sometimes when we make a request, we get what we want, and other times we don't. It's not good for me as a parent to give my kids whatever it is that they ask. Yesterday was Halloween, they got candy. They wanted to eat a lot of it. It's not good for them to just say yes every time that they asked for a piece of candy. Making a request of God is not some sort of mechanism where we get to demand that God do for us whatever we want. And that if we pray with the right measure of faith, or in the right form, or in the right structures, if we get excited enough about it in the moment, that that house somehow puts God's power at our disposal. That's that's witchcraft. That's... (laughs) We aren't harnessing God's power through our methods and through our words. We're not controlling God's power. We are coming to our friend. We're coming to our friend who has every power and ability to do whatever is best. And we're asking him, heal our friend. And we do it in some ways simply because we're asked to do it. We're commanded to do it. We're also doing it because we have concern for our friends and we want to see them healed. And so it is sometimes true that when we make requests, that in his freedom he says no. And I just want to say we should want it to be that way. We have finite knowledge, finite love, finite power, and we shouldn't get everything we ask for. It would not be good for us. And so we can come to God who is infinite in knowledge, infinite in love, infinite in power, and we make requests of him. We ask him for what concerns us. We persistently come to him and ask, maybe like that persistent widow who asks and asks and asked until the matter is settled in one way or another. And it's this persistent coming to God, asking him, this persistency in prayer that is a great act of faith. This is Ryan speaking, not the Bible. You know, Paul does that that one time in Corinthians, but I don't think that the test of great faith is getting everything that we pray for i think the test of great faith is that we pray and not give up but why doesn't god heal why sometimes doesn't god heal here are four biblical reasons there are probably others the first is i don't know (laughs) i just don't know and none of us do why especially in particular instances why god doesn't heal so that's Answer number one, I don't know. But there are at least four possible reasons that the Bible gives to us. Four biblical possibilities. The first is unrepentant sin. That there may be something in your life, something that you may be very aware of, maybe something that you've forgotten about that God wants to show you. And in his grace and mercy, he wants to use this particular sickness in your life to reveal that thing to you so that you have an occasion repent from it and to turn from it and to find the ultimate forgiveness, the ultimate healing that comes through forgiveness in him. So one of the biblical possibilities for why God doesn't heal is unrepentant sin. The second is lack of faith. And this happens a lot in, in Jesus's ministry that they ask, why didn't they heal? Well, because there was a lack of faith here in this place. And this is one that I don't get. I don't understand how all this works. I don't understand how barometers of faith work in God's eyes. But what I do want to say is this, is that the healing will come in your life when you know that you are ultimately dependent on him. I think about that, that woman who uh, had, had the ordeal with bleeding in her life. And she knew that there was no one else that could help her. And so in her face, she just reached out and she just touched the hem of his robe. And if that kind of posture, that kind of dependence that is this reflection of faith, I, I wonder sometimes if maybe the better way to describe strong faith is to know that we 're weak rather than to know that we have strong faith, to know that we 're vulnerable and dependent on God, rather than to believe that somehow we 've summoned up enough strength to do this thing. And so I think that maybe the, the, the faith, the lack of faith thing is this, is this independence that we carry. I don't need God, or I can maybe do this in some other way. That maybe the the faith that is needed is utter dependence on God. And knowing there's no other place I can go. Third, is that God has other works of healing in you to do. James chapter 1 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God, uh, the evil one wants to use sickness in your life to destroy your faith to make you reject God, God's not good, whatever lie he wants to tell you, God wants to use the sickness in your life to develop perseverance and faith in you. And if you will learn through that trial, through that pain, through that suffering, to continue to turn over and over and over again to him, he wants to do this good and beautiful thing in your life. I'm hoping you realize how utterly dependent you are on him, to make Jesus the most important thing in your whole life. Have you known somebody like this? Someone who you have watched suffer for years and years and years and years and years. And and you know that they have learned through that suffering the grace and mercy and presence of God. That is a beautiful person. In my previous church, her name was Ruth Hemmerling, And she had this disease of her brain that did not allow her to speak. I, I met her towards the very beginning of this disease, and she just really struggled to speak, and in the years that we were there, we watched, just watched Ruth um, just not be able to speak. But the love that that woman had for people, and the way that she expressed that through her look, and through her touch, and through her care, and through her gifts, God wants to do a work in your life through the suffering and sickness. That, that could be another reason for why you haven't been healed, or why when we pray for somebody, they're not healed in that moment. That God has another work of healing that he wants to do. Fourth reason, that God wants to use your suffering for his glory and for the comfort of others. Second Corinthians says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our life, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you will share in our comfort. The practice of laying on of hands and praying for healing, Broadway, is, is something that we want to be just a normal part of our life as a community. But this isn't something that we have to like summon up like excitement and energy for, but that when someone in front of us is sick, that we know that we can simply go and pray for them, to lay our hands on them and to pray for their healing. When we do this, it is a a moving toward others with our presence. We are saying to them, I'm here, I'm with you, you're not alone, I love you, we are here with you. And it's also an expression of our faith that we want to intentionally bring the power and work of God to bear in this person's life. It's an expression of our belief that we are dependent on God, that we don't have the power to heal, but that we believe that God does. And we're trusting that when we lay hands on him, that God's power is going to move in their life in the way that he wants to do it. And so I want to give some some suggestions, some very basic suggestions for for praying for healing. Uh, These are super simple, I think. First is find a sick person. Secondly, Ask them about their sickness. Listen. We talked a couple weeks about the ministry of listening. This is an opportunity for you to listen. Uh, what is this person's sickness? What is really going on in their heart? To begin to listen to them. Listen to God. As you're listening to them, listen to God. Be asking, what what is the prayer, God, that you would have me to offer them? Do we need to ask, is there some unrepentant sin in your life? Is there some pattern of, of sin that you need to repent from? maybe an opportunity, an occasion for them to say that, maybe for the first time, and who knows the power of God that would happen if they did that thing. So listen to God. What do I need to ask? What prayer do I need to offer? Ask permission to lay your hand on their shoulder. Ask God to heal the person. And then follow up and pray again. So Luke, if you just want to come up, then we're going to sing a little bit. And I just want to say this morning, if you would like to receive prayer for healing, please feel free to either come forward here and our elders and friends, others of you who um, are available and feel comfortable doing this, please feel free to come forward and to pray for healing. If you want to grab someone and go some other place in in the church and go to some other room, there's some space back here. You can go to the coffee bar down the aisle back here, whatever it may be. You are welcome to just grab someone and ask them for prayers for you, for healing. Or maybe you have somebody in mind that you know is not well here today. You just want to grab them, bring them up front, take them someplace else. And we're just going to do this. We're going to see what the Lord does today. And more importantly, again, that this would be just a regular practice that we do as a matter of course. Just, Just what we do in people's lives when we know that they are sick and not well. That we lay hands on them, we come to our friend Jesus, who has all the power, all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all the ability, and we ask him to heal. Can we do that? Can we do that?